Hi and welcome to the second episode ever of The Art of Value Investing. It's Sunday the 13th of September and my name is Art, which is not my real name. That's so I can feel like I can speak freely, as I said in episode one, to avoid complications in my professional life and other areas of my life. There probably won't be, but it just means that I can feel like I can speak more freely about investing. So this is my private but public space to talk about investing. It's just between you and me, okay? Who am I? What's my investing background? I don't work professionally as a money manager. I have completed investment courses through like executive education through Stanford University and Columbia Business School, which I consider to be the home of value investing. That's why I wanted to go there. So where Buffett went and many great value investors. Benjamin Graham, of course, who started the whole thing off there. But anyway, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not giving any advice here. Don't listen to me. Do your own research. I don't know what I'm talking about. Investments I make may go wrong. <laughs> Let's just, let, we'll see. But this is not advice. I'm just talking here. I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. So I'm working through my own ideas. I haven't really got anybody to speak to locally to hash out ideas. So I'm using this as a way to think through ideas myself. The other thing is this bit raw. If this sounds a bit raw, I'm, I'm actually recording in my car today as a trial. Probably will sound terrible. I'm just using my my iPhone and AirPod Pros. So apologies for the sound, but I don't want to spend a lot. Of, I'm not spending a lot of money on equipment right now. I'm, I'm just just trying this out, but I will probably carry on with it. We'll see as we go along. The quality might improve, but at the moment it's just raw, and I don't want to spend a lot of time editing it either. I just want to spend more time actually researching and analysing rather than making content. That's why it's like that. Uh, so, But feel free to leave me a message and share your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts and questions. I'm using Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm, Art of Value Investing, that's the page to leave a message. I've also started a Twitter account, which I say in the podcast ahead, it's the art of value is the Twitter to use. Feel free to talk to me there. In the podcast, in this podcast, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about art. In fact, the art of value investing, art, and some talk about Andy Warhol, who's he was actually interested in investing in business. I'm going to talk about the mac on the mac, macro level a bit, which is not really. What I want to do much, but it's a very interesting situation at the moment, isn't it? So it's kind of relevant to where things are heading. And after that, I'm going to talk about, in relation to that, actually, Howard Marks and his his uh, analysis of markets or his books about mastering market cycles and taking the temperature of the market. Then I'm going to run through a few stocks on my radar and what I and that's related to the overall market. And if there's anything any many bargains at the moment, anything of value that might be interesting. Not that I've uh, analysed them all, but just things on the ra my radar. If I analyse something, I'll go I'll go way in depth. So I haven't analysed really any of these stocks, unless the one, if unless I say that I bought bought some already. But 
that's the podcast today. Okay, let's get into it. Speaking of the art of investing, the art part, as well as me being art, I'm actually interested in contemporary art, have been for a long time, as well as a bit of an investing background I do. have been educated in art over the years and I'm very interested in art, I do collect art. And one of the things that I've uh, that I come across in years gone past is quotes by Andy Warhol, who was, I guess, one of the first to join business and art together. And one of the quotes he has, says, or one of his well-known quotes, is, making money is art and working is art and good business is the best art. And also, there's another one, being good in business is the most fascinating kind of art. Making money is art, and working is art, and good business is the best art. So we could think about that in terms of uh, value investing being an art more than science. Could it actually be art? (laughs) Sometimes, according to Andy Warhol, if he was doing it. And funnily enough... I mean, I collect art because I love it, and I know a lot about it, and then you kind of need to to be able to collect it, really. I mean, anybody can collect art, but, and it's not really talked about as an investment, really, in the art world. It's sort of not, not, not good to talk about it, not nice to talk about it, it's not done, but I don't mind thinking about it as an investment, and there are some artists like Andy Warhol who've made it not well, central to their practice. I mean, fame was central to his practice, but, you know, thinking about the business of art is interesting. And funnily enough, some of the best investments I've had have been in art so far. And that's, I wouldn't say it's an accident, because I try and choose very good art, and if you think about it as value investing, if you get, uh, very good art at that's mispriced or undervalued, or you think, you know, I guess growth investments, uh, it's going to be worth more in time. But if you if you're able to choose very good art and it's reasonable prices, chances are it is going to be worth a lot in the future. Which can be, I mean, you've got to look after art, you've got to store it and insure it and all that stuff. So there's a cost to it more than owning stocks, for instance. Um, but funny enough, some of the art that I have bought has uh, appreciated a lot. Uh, one example is, is was it seven years ago, 2013, I bought a couple of paintings from an emerging artist that I and I just loved them. I thought they were great, and I saw that uh, some influential artists also liked the work. And so I bought it, and I, I noticed that in 2020, sort of getting into the art auctions, and I mean, I bought these two paintings for $3,000 total, including pack, packing and delivery, and I've seen them being sold for over $100,000, more than that, up to $300,000, so that's 100x investment and I would never sell these things it's not about the money but it's just funny that you know sometimes in investments or investments the goal is to get 100x 
100 Baggers, which is a good book, by the way. I will talk about that in another podcast. So Chris Mayer, uh, who wrote that book, 100 Baggers, which, you know, goes into examples of different stocks over the years that have been 100 Baggers and what the characteristics are of them. Great book. And, I mean, it's something that I... I am aiming to look for in stocks and companies, finding great companies. And one of the characteristics is to find them when they're uh, when they're small caps or even micro caps, but under under one to two billion. And then obviously, if they if they go up to a hundred, that's I mean that's that's going to be a big company. But getting them early, and you know we can always think of stocks that have done that a few stocks that have done that but to find ones that aren't known yet or that have the chance to do that and the thing about trying to find hundred baggers is that as he says in the book uh, I mean they might go 10x but that's, that's still a great investment so the aim to find hundred baggers but to get 10x is you know that that's that's fine that's great and I'll talk about later some companies that I'm looking at I'll talk about over the episodes, but even today, I'll I'll, I'll give you a sort of a rundown of of things that I'm interested in the moment and maybe why. But enough about the art of investing. Enough about art. Uh, what I wanted to talk about now is just the current state of the stock market at the moment. I mean, I'm not going to dwell too much on the macro. It's just pretty fascinating at the moment. So. I do kind of want to comment on it. I mean, Buffett and Munger always say that they don't think about the macro environment at all. They just look at individual stocks, and I do try to do that. But it's not as if I don't. It's not that I don't believe that they do that. But one of the interesting things is at the moment is obviously that they Berkshire's holding a, about 140 billion dollars in cash, which is a record amount, and a a big percentage of overall so they're not jumping in even after the market declined in March they I mean it was a very fast decline and then a recovery but they didn't immediately jump in with big deals they have nibbles I mean they've put the gold miner although it could have been Ted and Todd not Charlie and Warren and gas pipeline company that was traded obviously fossil fuel companies are trading really low and I I would never invest in those myself just for what I consider ethical reasons to do with the climate I just don't want to go there even though they could do well for years yet I'm just not going there but um, anyway the macro macro environment we've got that we've got (laughs) Buffett holding a huge amount of cash, which kind of implies that they're waiting for big deals, and maybe this the problems we're in the U.S. economy is in a deep recession. There are worldwide recessions. The stock market seemed to be a bit quite divorced from that, increasingly divorced from that. Although we had a big pullback, we've had a reasonable pullback from from the highly priced tech stocks. Uh, but it's it's very volatile. The market's volatile, and so it 
we've got high volatility. It's sort of by the dip mentation, by the dip mentality. Uh, but then again, interest rates are very are low, around zero. So, I mean, people are definitely pouring their money into the stock market, and I can see some. I see what's diff what's different at the moment that from the last few years or the last 10, 11 years is that at the moment it seems that retail investors or rather speculators are jumping in to the market unlike we've seen for a long time. I mean, I'm actually old enough to remember the dot-com bubble and it kind of feels a little bit like that, but not so much. And I wouldn't say that the current environment is like the dot-com bubble I mean, I've read a lot about the Nifty 50s bubble in the late 60s. That's not really talked about that much, but it, I mean, they were good companies that just got overpriced. And I kind of feel like, I think that companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon, Fang, Stocks and a few others are richly priced. Let's face it, they are, but... They're not going to go out of business. They're hugely profitable, Facebook. And so it's not like, that's not like a dot-com bubble where they're just going to go out of business. But there are some sectors. I mean, Tesla is one example that is hugely priced, but I see retail investors jumping in, sort of buying at any price. People are in Apple. People are buying that at any price. I mean, these stocks can be overpriced. And I've been going into some groups of the of retail investors, like uh, Robinhood type groups on Facebook, and seeing what people are saying, what they're doing. And it it is like that. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of new investors, new young investors jumping in and buying. There's a lot of talk about Tesla and sort of. I mean, they're saying that they're in it for the long term. There's some, but there's some people trading in and out. Some people are a bit afraid it's going to drop, especially after it did drop, um, but sort of buy the dip mentality and not really looking at the fundamentals and listening to sort of analysis that's incredibly optimistic and not, not thinking about the downside really at all. So that's interesting to see that, see that talk going on. I mean, it's kind of, I think it's sort of a historic time. So I'm interested in going in and I've even, I've talked to some of those people and asked them questions and they just don't want to hear what they call doom and gloom and the bear case they just kind of dismiss. So as far as I can see, these are kind of warning signs of what's, what could be happening, but you just can't predict, obviously you can't predict the market. Can't break the market, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, this could be, I was just thinking in terms of the dot-com bubble, this could be 1998, right? So it could be two years to go. We just, it's just, you just can't predict when things become irrational. They can get really irrational, I think. <coughs> Excuse me. And it comes, what brings to mind to me is, um, Howard Marks, I read this book a while ago, Howard Marks, Mastering Market Cycles, which came out, was it, was it a couple of years ago? I think I read it, I read it not so long ago, I read it last year, I think, where he talks about 
in terms of market cycles, taking the temperature of the markets rather than predicting what's going to happen with the markets, taking just taking the temp temperature. And his memos are always great too. If you go to uh, if you search for Oak Tree, if you don't already subscribe to his letters, I get sent him emails of his memos, which are always interesting. He's had quite a few this year, especially during the volatile times, but not so many lately, but definitely some, quite a few in March. He had a lot of thoughts on March, April, May around there. And I mean, one of the things that, that I that I got from his book here, I just, I didn't write, I took some notes at the time, which I just looked back on before I started recording. It's actually in the book called The Most Important Thing rather than the market book. It's an interesting book too. And he's, there's, there's a table that he put in there that says, I'll read it, I'll read what, what it says at the top. Here's a simple exercise that might help you take the temperature of future markets. I have listed a number of market characteristics. For each pair, check, for each pair, check off the one you think is most descriptive of today. And if you find the most, that most of your check marks are in the left hand column, as I do, hold on to your wallet. So meaning take the temperature of the market, look at these things, and if it seems hot, hold on to your wallet, don't buy the left-hand column. So, and there are different headings. Econ the economy, is it vibrant or is it sluggish? Vibrant being the first one being the left column. Is the outlook positive? Is it negative? Are lenders eager to lend or are they reticent to, end, to lend? Capital markets, are they loose or tight? Capital is capital plentiful and scarce or scarce. Uh, I'm not going to give answers to these. I've just let you make up your own mind. Are the terms easy or restrictive? Are interest rates low or high? Are the spreads narrow or wide? Are investors optimistic or are they pessimistic? Um, are they eager to buy or uninterested in buying? Are asset owners happy to hold or are they rushing for the exits? And sellers, are there few sellers or many sellers? Are markets crowded or are they start for attention? Are funds hard to gain? Is it hard to gain entry to funds or are they, are they open to anyone? Are there are lots of new funds daily? Or is it only the best that can raise money? Uh, what else? Has the recent market performance been strong or weak? Are asset prices high or low? Are the prospective, prospective returns low or high? Does risk seem high or low? And so that, you know, those are definitely interesting things to talk, to think about right now in the markets. What I, the other thing is, you know, are the bargains around? Can there be bargains to be found? And I mean, obviously, I look a lot. I mean, I look constantly for any kind of bargains. I'm I'm not going to jump in, and I'm not a not no way a momentum investor. And some of these retail speculators are definitely trying to buy the most expensive and hope that they'll still go up, which is you know always a warning sign. But when markets are jumping by ten, twenty percent a day in some cases, and and recently dropping by that much, I mean that that's when there's a lot of speculation around for sure but i 
I mean, there there seem to be very few bargains around that I'm looking at, but I am always interested in, always got a watch list of things that not necessarily that I have analysed, but that I want to analyse that are possibilities. Um, so I'm going to talk now about just a few that I've current stocks that I I'm not necessarily looking at them yet, but I just as a comparison and also that I might. Analyze if I do analyze them. I'm, I, I mean, I, there is some are easy to dismiss. I'm not saying that I've looked at these in depth at all, but it's kind of things that I are on my list to, to have a look at. Um, and so, one thing that I did just to start off with it, that's an interesting comparison about the markets and where we're at at the moment is to do, I mean, one is the enterprise value to EBIT earnings before interest in tax, but in these some growth companies, some new companies, but particularly growth companies doing instead doing an EV to gross profit, which, you know, brings up a lower number with growth companies, perhaps a little bit more accurate in terms of um, their kind of situation. So I did it with, with quite a few. So some stocks that are kind of, Okay, that are on sort of came onto my radar. I mean, let's start with Tesla. I did um, <laughs> I did a quick back of the envelope of Tesla, and it's it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, EV to gross profits sixty, nearly seventy, around seventy, and um, EV to EBIT is two eighty one. These are big numbers, and you know. I mean, people were saying that, um, I mean, I, I haven't really looked into Tesla. I mean, I, that's, that's as far as I'd go, but I, I have heard the, the uh, bull case for Tesla being, you know, going up to $7,000 and in the, you know, they're not just a car company, they're an energy company and this, the solar, the solar business, the energy business, all of these things. I mean, but e even if that goes incredibly well, I mean the the price is high, so I would not be surprised. I mean, part of the reason of look, me looking at Tesla is that, I mean, there's a possibility that if when if Tesla does crash, it could take could take the market with it. That could be the trigger for a sell down of tech stocks for sure, which we did see uh, this week this this week earlier this week wasn't it? it was this week wasn't it? And um. I was looking for the sign that if Tesla went, that it might take down. And there are signs. This, I mean, the, the the EV sector in general is. I mean, the success of Tesla of Tesla's also brought other companies onto the market, and people, some of the speculators, are just kind of buying anything in the EV sector. Obviously, this week with Nikola, which had, you know the short sellers brought out that case that alleging fraud, and the fact that GM. Uh, took an equity stake in in, in Nikola. I, I think this coming week is going to be very interesting. Or going forward, it's uh, I mean, what happens to Nikola might trigger something. Um, I just don't think it's going to go well, but we'll see. It's very interesting times. But anyway, that's says that's a benchmark of really high prices. I haven't looked at other things. I mean, I know that. Um, Apple's 
highly highly priced. I mean, when you think about, when I was saying, I was saying in one of these groups that, you know, when Berkshire bought Apple, I think it was trading, I think the PE was around maybe 11 to, over the time they were buying it from 11 to 15 maximum, which obviously is a value investor, 15 uh, EV to EBIT or PE is kind of about as high as you, you'd want to go really. And this depends on the future, but you know, as a, a kind of benchmark and now it's 35 i think it was around 35 so it's twice i mean it's so i just think there's uh there's kind of a high probability of margin of uh, multiple compression in, in these companies and the returns that, that might be got over the next few years it might be quite low compared to what they've had but people are buying and the stock splits obviously helped people with the enthusiasm, the exuberance of Tesla and Apple. But so, so some of the other companies that I've that I've uh, sort of on my radar. One was Renewable Energy Group, which I think was originally saw on Joel Greenblatt's Blatt's, um, Magic Formula list of stocks. Uh, I don't blindly buy those kinds of things but it's a good it is an interesting place to look it only looks at the last year of course so I think you want to look deeper I mean the formula I think does work over time I'm sure it does it's you know back tested and the results are great but I mean this this has a I mean I just did an EV to gross profit on all these companies and EV to EBIT just to kind of get a there's about 10 of them so that's the kind of seems to be the cheapest one just on the face of it, I've, I've kind of read a little bit about it and I'd like to dig deeper in that one, that the price has shot up. I think I saw an old write-up of the company on Value Investors Club as well, which uh, it did seem worth digging into. Um, they kind of make renewable biofuel, which does seem to have a good future, I think, even though EVs will, I think EVs will eventually be the majority of cars probably quicker than people think, but that that doesn't mean that te Tesla's a good investment right now. Uh, and so two, I've got two EV to gross profit on this company's two and EV to EBIT's 2.44. So that's cheap. That is cheap, even though even though the stock price has gone up quite a lot. Uh, another one that I've been interested in lately is Stitch Fix. And this is a kind of growth company that's been that's been around for about five years, I think, and I've I haven't dug really deep into it, but I did see this good analysis online from uh, I think it was a VC who was talking about it. I I might talk about that in another episode and dig into it, and I'll give you all the information. But um, EV to gross profit on that's three point seven five, and it's um, it's gone up a little bit recently. I think the price is bouncing around from like ten dollars to twenty five around there. Um, but EV to EBIT seventy eight on that. But EV to gross profits three point seven five, which in companies like this is probably I think a, a interesting back of the envelope place to start because that's quite that's actually quite low. And they, I mean, I've looked into it. They, I mean, they do. Um, they have stylists, real stylists that 
recommend, but they have a lot of data as well that they're collecting. So this this talk of this sort of flywheel effect if as they go on like Amazon, where they're able to know more and more about their customers and you get they get sent five items and they choose them and send them back. But and the business seems to be working, so it's sort of a fashion retail but online. Um, yeah, I won't go more more into that. I mean, it's it's more, much more complicated than that, but it's a, it's an interesting business. And there are a few good investors that are invested. I think is it? Um, oh no, I can't. I don't know. I haven't got the information on me, so I won't talk about that. Another one that looks interesting is the Tattooed Chef, which is going under. It's a a, a spec that's that's coming up. So I mean the specs are the company for merger two corp, and it's kind of being in write-ups is sort of being compared to Beyond Meat, which it isn't. It isn't that. It's sort of vegan food, and but it's an it is actually an interesting company. And they've got good figures, but you know as value investors, you can't. It'd be interesting to see see more as they go along. But it does look interesting to me. There, they seem. Like the the growth the growth rate's incredible if it's to be believed I'm sure I don't have any reason not to but it's a sort of father's family company father daughter um, pairing who who and he he's got seemed to have got good distribution through Costco and Walmart for this for these uh, plant based food products and I think it's it looks it does look interesting I have to admit. And another one that came onto my radar was Discovery, which is D I S C A ticker, and that's obviously content, TV content, and with the stream, all this the so-called streaming wars that are around. I think the the market investors aren't too keen on it, thinking that it's kind of not go out of business. But it's it is a John Malone's. He's the chairman of it, I think. And he, I saw in a YouTube video where he was talking about it, saying it was underpriced and uh, underpriced. And he bought, I think he bought 75 million shares not long ago at a cheaper price than they are now. But uh, EV to gross profits 3.72 of that, and EV to EBITs 9.9. So it's kind of reasonably priced to low priced. And I guess part of what you think might happen in the future with that company. They're sort of they're global global TV content, but I guess you know the hot companies Netflix and there's just a lot going on with streaming. We've got Disney, we've got Apple's getting into it. This, I mean, there's a lot to go in this this industry. But the other on the other hand, you know these streaming companies are going to need content. I mean, it's associated with cable. That's why. But I mean doesn't seem just on the face of it it doesn't have to be to to hurt discovery really i don't think but i'll dig in i'm going to dig into that i think i'm going to dig into it. i have to choose some of these because there's quite a few here another one is twitter i've been interested in twitter i've been a lot a user of twitter for a long time uh, i've started a twitter account for for this podcast actually so look for that Art of Value Investing, 
only just started that. I have a personal account with about 20,000 followers, but because I want to be not to use my real name here, I'm not using that. Anyway, Twitter is interesting. I've noticed um, a lot of quite a few top and top value investors investors in this recently, including Guy Spear. Who else? Um, oh, I saw or Bill Gates or the the Gates Foundation invested in it, which is pretty interesting. There are there are a few more. I'd have to look it up. I didn't I haven't listed it here, but. It did catch my eye, and I've I've been looking at it for a while. I've actually analysed Twitter, and I do I do, I do want to buy it. I just not at the price that it is now. I think it's got it's definitely. I think that they're they're getting it together. They're, it hasn't been a good investment over the years, and but I think they might be about to turn the corner in terms of monetize in terms of monetization. They've got a new ad. They're developing a new ad engine I guess you could call it that could click and and do quite well I think I mean obviously Jack Dorsey has been I think more involved in Square than Twitter and he, he's, he's kind of said implied he doesn't really not not care about making money but it's more it's it's not just about making money Twitter he seems more involved in Square and that's the second go round and I I like Square as well but not at the current price I do. I think Square is is going to be a really is actually going to be a great company. I haven't analysed it properly, but I just uh, what I do know about it. I think it's it's a good company and it's got a lot of potential, even though it's already fifty to sixty billion at the moment. I think it's overpriced. It's in one of those tech stocks that's overpriced, but I think we'll get another shot at it later on. And I will be. I think it's got a chance to go not a, probably not a hundred X but ten X even from fifty even from fixed fifty to sixty billion I think it's got a chance to go ten X. So more about Square later. Uh what else? Uber. I've actually made a small investment in Uber. It's the same. I think it's when it's fifty to sixty or marking up sixty three billion dollars at the moment. And I think it, it actually I mean it's got some problems got employment problems but and you know it'll either well it could go either way but I've made a small investment just to be interested in it and it has actually gone up to I think 30% about 30% from where I bought it not long ago um, it'll probably go up and down on news but I think I mean, it's got global scale um, and what uh, I, I'll talk about Uber another time one thing that convinced me was, what, that helped convince me was an analysis on listening to this podcast called, was it called Yes Another Value Podcast, which is a funny name, but it's it's good. And they had a um, an interview with Mario Sabelli, not Mario Gabelli, but Sabelli, similar name. And he's invested in it. He invested in Netflix and did very well out of it. And he sees similar, and also in Expedia, and he sees similar in Uber, and he laid out the case, which is very, is very compelling, which made me dig into, into it a bit more. But I've just taken a small, a small position in that to find out more about it as we go along. But I think it's one of those companies that could be, go from fifty to sixty billion to to five hundred again, over time. One of the things is that, you know, 
the ability to push a button and have a car turn up. Um, is that going to go away? No, I don't think so. In 10 years' time, it's just such a compelling thing that, and uh, it's 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 a household name. But, you know, there are a lot of things that could go wrong there. There's a lot of uncertainty, but I think it's more, more uncertainty than risk at this point. And there's Uber Eats, uh, which is doing quite well during the pandemic. Anyway, more about Uber later. I, I do like Uber as a, Except, you know, their, their employment practices aren't so good and it's all got to be sorted out. I see that as the biggest risk, actually. And if they have to change business models and... But I think, you know, it can be worked out to the satisfaction of both sides on that as, as it plays out. I hope so. And, I, you know, Google EV to gross profits 10.41 I had and um, EV to EBIT 26. So... And Google and Facebook, which I think they're two of the more kind of reasonable fang stocks at the moment. And EV to gross profit of Facebook's 11.7, EV to EBIT's 20, around 25. I mean, they're a bit richly priced still for me, but I, I still, I, I do like both of those with the big techs, but we'll see what happens. I'm not going to buy those. I did notice some, some top, value investors investing those including i think lee lu invested in facebook which was uh, interesting surprising so he obviously sees good potential really good potential there and or quite a few quite a few of the top investors have actually even though these companies are no secret there's no there's no hidden moats there everybody knows their moats and they're they're richly priced but uh so we'll see it's interesting anyway. Uh, Pinterest is another is a smaller one of those that I think could have good potential. I haven't looked into it at all. It's got a um, EV gross profit of about fourteen, which is it's, uh, it's not huge. It's only been public for for is it since last year, but I think that's probably it's probably got it's got potential too. I think so. I'd kind of like to dig more into that. You notice a few technology ones here. I kind of think that my part of my circle of competence is, is in technology and social media in particular. Uh, I actually own a position in, in Joy, YY. We could talk about that a bit later too, but it's a video, video social media from China, based in China and now Singapore there. And, the Likey app, they own part of uh, Huya, uh, which is a bit like Twitch. And Tencent's got more than half the stake, or half of the half half of the stake in that now. So I'm gonna probably they'll probably sell it all to Tencent in the end, but that's another one to talk about later. Align Technologies seems to be a good company, but it's, I mean, we're getting more and more expensive here down this list. EV to gross profit is about seven six. 16.7 I got um, EV to EBIT's 94 which is a lot but uh, it is a growth company that's been doing well it's, it's not it's not an inexpensive 25 billion so these you know I, I do my goal is to kind of look for smaller companies around a billion or less or up to 2 billion uh, that have the have possibility to grow and that are that are sort of underpriced 
another one from actually the, that that podcast, yet another value podcast. There's an uh, investor from CAS Investment Partners is talking about Cardalytics, which sounds like an interesting company that has uh, inside inside bank apps doing advertising inside bank apps, and he thinks it's sort of going to be a natural monopoly. Uh, so it's got an EV to gross profit of around 25, so it's not cheap. But um, yeah, it's interesting just to dig into that. I mean, it would take me a lot of time to dig further into these. But another one, so just generally, I've already talked about Square, which has an EV to gross profit of 28, which is a lot. Uh, and Spotify, which is 20, almost 22. I think both of these companies, if out of the tech, out of the newish techs, well, they're not that new, are they? But, but maybe ten years history. But Spotify and Square, I think, have have are two of the best candidates to ten x. Quite honestly, I mean, with Spotify, it's another one of those household names. Everybody uses it, or a lot of people use it. I I use Spotify Premium. My son does. My wife does. So you know. It's one of those things that sort of got into everyday life, but it's 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 still only fifty only it's fifty billion dollar company, but it's one of those companies that I could see being being a five hundred to a trillion dollar company over time. And one of the reasons that I'm using Anchor this podcast is because it's owned by Spotify, and I think the podcasting part of the business is very interesting over time. But I have not. I'm going to say I haven't dug into it a lot. It's just superficial, but just my general feeling is Spotify's got a good future as well as Square. So that's it for now. That's probably enough for this pod, for this second podcast, number two. A bit of a a, uh, a bit of wide scope there in terms of what's going on. But I look forward to seeing you again on number three.